We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Thursday, December 19th, and we are about three hours from the start of Bucks Lakers. Both teams coming in ice cold suddenly, uh, having uh, both lost uh, earlier this week. The Bucks, of course, fell at home in uh, a pretty shocking loss, You know, even though they were missing Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Dallas was, of course, without Luka Doncic. Uh, they lost on Monday, and then the Lakers followed up by losing in Indiana on Tuesday, uh, but still, we have one of the best regular season games so far of the season, uh, and one that I think we're all looking forward to watching tonight. But uh, the Bucks favored by four at home. You noted that this opened at four and a half, so maybe a little bit of money coming in uh, on the Lakers. Anthony Davis, it sounds like, will be back. He, of course, missed Tuesday's game. Uh, what are you expecting to see tonight? Well, first of all, I was surprised that the spread was open at four and a half. Like I. Um, I would not 
assume or want to say like the Bucks are two possessions or the yeah the Bucks are two possessions better than the Lakers mm-hmm. considering the Lakers have twice as many MVP candidates on their team um, Dwight's been good but that's a little much yeah it's yeah um no I I'm expecting I mean I'm a, I'm a little worried for the Bucks I was at the Mavericks game and while Giannis was great I feel like the absence of Eric Bledsoe was like really alarming and really obvious very quickly I Considering how bad Bledsoe had been in the playoffs uh, or has been in the playoffs, I think a lot of Bucks fans were like, no, him being out won't be that big of a deal. We have George Hill and all these other guys. But it became very obvious in that Mavericks game that the Bucks really could not figure out a way to stop like the Jalen Brunsons and Seth Currys of <laughs> the world from like getting shots off and succeeding in pick and roll. And the Bucks just really couldn't get in the lane like George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo can't run pick and rolls and penetrate the lane and driving kick the same way Eric Bledsoe can. And when that's basically the entire Bucks game plan is driving kick when you're missing one of your main guys, it makes it really hard. So, I mean, the Bucks do have good size and that will help them against the Lakers, but I'm a little concerned that the, the Bledsoe loss is going to be more impactful than mm-hmm. I think maybe was originally anticipated. And it might not be uh, represented in, in the spread. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think the the general feeling around Bledsoe is, you know, he's he's a when he's on a really good player, a really valuable player. But I think he's had so many shortcomings just in the last two years that there was kind of this belief that it's like, well, as long as they don't lose Giannis, it'll be fine. You know, they they right. played you know what seven or eight games without Middleton earlier in the streak didn't matter at all. They won them all. Um, but I, th- I think you are right. I mean, the offense was not running nearly as smoothly with no Eric Bledsoe. And, you know, this is kind of one of those times that if Bledsoe missed a game last year and he only missed four, uh, but if he did, you had Malcolm Brogdon to just fill that role and, and maybe take on a little bit more playmaking. And, you know, this time around, it all kind of felt like it fell on Giannis's shoulders. And he had, he had a great game, 48 and 14, but he was the only starter in double figures. And, you know, I said to James earlier this week, it's, it's one of those games that really makes you realize, I think, where Chris Middleton falls in the hierarchy of all-stars, quasi-all-stars in the NBA. Um, you know, my argument is, like, I, I just I couldn't imagine, you know, Clay Thompson or Brad Beal, you know, the other kind of number two stars, Paul George, somebody like that having that kind of game. Uh, I, I was going to say, with, with that on the line, you know, it's a regular season streak. I don't think the Bucks were devastated to, to lose an 18-game streak, but you could tell that was a game they really wanted to win. And, you know, I was just watching Chris Middleton kind of fade away in that second half, especially um, it, it kind of conjures up, you know, some of the reasons that the Bucks fell short last year and that, you know, some people still have a lot of questions, I think, heading into what most expect will be probably another run through at least the East Finals. The guy sitting behind me, like in the fourth quarter, screamed, you suck, Chris, so loud that it <laughs> it, it actually made me jump like I it was scary. Um yeah, it was uh it was it was not a great game for him. I mean, he he's still shooting, you know, 40% from 3, like 17, 18 points a game. That's good, but he is not the he's not really a s- cemented number 2 option. He's kind of like a 2.5, mm-hmm. um probably closer to a 3, and that's fine when like those games when Giannis misses games and it's Bledsoe and Middleton, that's fine because those two guys t- together are solid sources of offense and you still have Brooke Lopez there. But when Milton really, like, truly has to be the second source of offense and defenses mm-hmm. can kind of hone in on him, um, he really isn't, like, he's a decent playmaker, but he really just wants to shoot that, like, 18-footer. 
And if he can't get past anybody, it's rough. Like, he's not getting a lot of, like, driving layups or anything right. like that. So he can be stifled, like, a lot easier than I think most other people, most other teams' number two options. Yeah, and I think right now, I mean, the Bucks are are clearly a good enough team built around Giannis that, you know, winning the finals is a realistic ceiling. I, I still believe that. I mean, they're, they were probably, you know, one win away against Toronto if they can just advance to the finals of, of doing what Toronto did and, and winning the title over a, a broken Golden State team last year. But with the way that the NBA works right now, and it's, you know, without the Warriors having Kevin Durant um, and, you know, really being a factor at all this season, you don't have that one like mega super team. But there are a lot of other teams out there, you know, the two LA teams, first and foremost, that have multiple bona fide superstars that are both proven, you know, all-star, all-world caliber players at the highest level and that's you know the bucks have one of those guys and he might be the best individual of all the stars um but their number two guy you know does not come close to the number twos that some of these other teams are throwing out and i, I think that's going to become a problem i mean it's this bucks team if you could transport them back to play you know you, i think of like those nets teams that played for the title um you know in the early 2000s you had jason kidd but then your next best players were like a young richard jefferson you know kenyon martin who was good never great Kerry Kittles, Lucius Harris, you know, basically just a, a team of role players. And in the modern NBA, those are not the type of teams that you're going to be meeting in the finals anymore. No, I, it's hard to imagine. Like, I think maybe the closest thing we have to that might be the Celtics as far as like, it's their, their number one player. Like it, it wouldn't be crazy if they got zero all-stars, right? Like Kemba will probably get in. But if you're talking about like that, I think Boston maybe is the closest thing we have. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because they they might get zero, but they there's a case that they could have as many as three. three. Right. You yeah. know, they have like three that are right there. And I, I mean, the the Bucks supporting cast would you say is worse top to bottom than what Boston throws out there? I think it's, uh, I think it's comparable. It's comparable. The I mean the the Celtics are pretty rough with their like the, the lack very of center is big. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the, let's say. You're just going Kemba versus Giannis. Like you, you put Giannis on the Celtics, put Kemba on the Bucks. Would you rather have Giannis surrounded by Brown, Smart, Tatum, yeah, or Bledsoe, Middleton, Lopez? I think I would want the Celtics. I think I would too, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Bucks players fit really well around Giannis specifically, and the Bucks have done a great job to maximize that team build. But in terms of like the pure talent and the upside of some of the role players, it, it really doesn't match up to. I mean, even a team like Miami, I think, has a few guys you would take over a lot of the Bucks. Yeah, Daniel Tice can do his best Brook Lopez impression. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I um, yeah the 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 Celtics definitely more complete team. But the Bucks, I don't know. I mean, Coach Bugenholzer, his his system is. I mean, there's a reason he won Coach of the Year. His system makes so much sense. He uh, just hoards a bunch of like six foot five guys who can shoot threes um, and swing the ball and. Um, at this point, I mean, we everyone knows the Bucks are an elite regular season team, which is why I think nobody's talking about them, um, or they're just not that interesting because it's it's really only been one year. But everyone's kind of like, we know, like we get it. Yeah. Um, and now, so the Bucks really do have to to mm-hmm. prove it in the playoffs at this point. You mentioned Brooke Lopez very quietly shooting thirty eight percent from the field on the season and twenty nine percent from three. Um, you know, I think a lot of what he does, especially defensively doesn't always show through i mean the blocks numbers are great he's a 90 percent free throw shooter which for a center it doesn't take a ton but still to not have that liability especially when your best player is a little bit of a liability um you know being able to keep him on the floor in key situations and not have to worry about that is huge but 
Um, I mean, when he's not hitting threes specifically, he's never been one of those centers like DeAndre Jordan where he's going to shoot 72% from the field. I mean, career, he's under 50%. That's just kind of part of the deal. But if he's going to be taking as many threes as he is, he's still hovering at around five a game. Um, he's playing fewer minutes, but he's still taking you know fewer in terms of his attempt rate than last year. But five a game at 29% is is really killing the Bucks, And it's, it's hard to say that about a team that's, what, 24 <laughs> and four now or whatever they are. I mean, that they're going to be fine um in terms of the regular season but you know for a team that's as good as they are it it does seem like you know when a team is this good you don't usually have these kind of question marks or or kind of hypothetical holes that you can poke in their case right i mean their bucks are an average three-point shooting team right now like 14th in in percentage they take the third most Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i guess if there's a you know something for bucks fans to look forward to or at least like one thing that you could point to and say oh maybe the bucks are actually maybe they're actually better than they are is if the fact that brooke lopez can get back to shooting right then because he's taking uh, how many threes per game 4.8 yeah i mean if he's taking five threes a game and maybe even bumps that up a little bit and starts shooting better mm-hmm. um that will make significant impact so the miami heat are very quietly 20 and 8 they're technically in third place um, but they have the second most wins in the eastern conference boston is ahead of them in the loss column they're 18 and 7 uh, but miami got a i would say a statement win as far as mid-december wins go um at philadelphia 108 104 last night a game that was really entertaining and, and one of the most fun to watch so far um, we've had a lot of like bad national TV games, I feel like, and this this certainly was not one of them. But a couple of big shots by Kendrick Nunn late in this game. Bam Adebayo continues to be you know maybe the most improved player if that award was handed out right now. Not a great night for Jimmy Butler back in Philly, just 14 points for him, but you know made some smaller plays down the stretch. And I I still I don't know what it will take for me to you know not feel quite as good about Philly. I mean they're 20 and nine, they're doing just fine in their own right. Um, but they've had a few of these games that you know when it when push comes to shove you know they kind of come up a little bit short and you know they as much the talent is still very much there um but it almost seems like they're winning despite some some chemistry issues or some fit issues maybe more than chemistry yeah i think i think the 76ers were like seven point favorites in this game Mm -hmm. which i also felt was just like disrespectful to how good the heat are and have been but um yeah the i mean and and the heat won this game by playing eight guys and kelly olenek played eight minutes and was one of those guys so the, they really only played seven yeah. guys they played a zone for large portions of this game and i think that kind of goes to show how exploitable some of the 76ers weaknesses are as far as like their floor spacing and their occasion like sometimes their lack of playmakers um the fact that you can kind of just you know like zones aren't that successful against yeah. most NBA teams because of the the, sh- the spacing and the playmaking. But um, yeah, I mean, th- those are the main two issues for the 76ers. And obviously, like you said, the talent level is so good that no one is ever going to like write the 76ers off. No. Like even if, even if they go into the playoffs with like 48 wins, people are going to be like, yeah, they could go to the finals. Yeah. Like they have Al Horford, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, like, um like obviously their bench is a little thin but that is something that they could improve at the in the bio market i don't know if they really have i don't think they have any trades to make um unless someone unless they want to trade thigh bull but i don't right. think they do and i don't really know what their pick situation is yeah i mean they have picks but they're not 
ones that project be. to be overly valuable. I mean, they're they're a team that could certainly get in the mix. You've heard them mentioned for like Bertans. Um, yeah. If Washington were to move him, which I think they will, he's unrestricted. Um, but I, I I think given it, that it's going to be a pretty sparse trade market based on how things are shaping up right now, I think what you know Bart, Bertans in the past might have been like a unprotected second or a you know fairly heavily protected first type of player but with the market being the way that it is and teams like i mean milwaukee could use him philadelphia could use him toronto could use him like virtually any team like who couldn't use a 45 percent three-point shooter who's just been on fire it's like the better the past month right exactly so i think we might even get we might get kind of a mini bidding war for for some of these guys and what, what did the bucks give up for miritage wasn't it like four second rounders yeah and and just like a no name um i forget who it was i think they they rerouted like stanley johnson or something who they got in a in a separate trade i think so in the snell trade it, it, they, the bucks are basically like here's all of our second round picks right and like, that was enough to get miritage i see i don't know if that same package like if you're washington i think you you know you, you can kind of work these multiple bidders and when you look at what philadelphia has to offer i unless they're going to throw thibel in which i don't think they would you know, they their offer might come up short of you know what a you know, the Lakers or the Clippers or Milwaukee or Toronto, whoever it might be, that that might have like a slightly less valuable young player who could still be appealing to Washington. Because the thing about Thibault is like, if they give him up and you know you're maybe not re-signing Bertans based on the contract situation, then you're left with like virtually you know no really appealing young assets whatsoever. So I think they would want to hold Thibault and hope that he develops as part of this core and is you know, on a cheap kind of late first round rookie deal for these next four years yeah um i mean yeah and the the way bertans is playing he is more valuable than miritich was oh. when the bucks traded for him um but yeah i mean i think yeah thibault's a guy you, you theoretically want to hang out for the playoffs because he's a you could put him on opposing teams point guards when ben simmons yeah. and they can have ben simmons deal with other guys ben simmons is pretty good on defense himself but um yeah, I mean the 76ers are are still the team that as a Bucks fan that I am the most mm. worried about and I think that will always be the case. Yep. Bertans over the last calendar month, so that's 16 games in 30.7 minutes per game is averaging 4.7 made threes. <laughs> I was going to say 4.5 on 48 and a half percent shooting. He had a run where in consecutive games he hit six threes, four threes, seven threes, five threes, six threes, eight threes in consecutive games. You know, when you're the Spurs, you just have to give that guy up for a chance at Marcus Morris. You have to. You absolutely have to. And yeah, they're reaping the benefits of that one. Breton said 26 last night, by the way, in a in a one point loss. So yeah, he's going to be very sought after. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is in full swing, and FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, and these contests start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. That's fanduel.com slash rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit on FanDuel. That'll get you access to our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, everything you need to win your leagues this season. Just visit fanduel.com slash rw. Void where prohibited. Let's get into some more all-decade. James and I uh, did a deep dive on that earlier this week. Uh, As you've seen, if you read the site, we have all-decade content going up for 
uh, pretty much every sport that we cover. And uh, we're going to be rolling out our, our first NBA article uh, probably on Friday. Um, we've been working on it this week, working on some other uh, all-decade projects that we'll release you know, in the coming weeks here. But you and I met yesterday and locked ourselves in the conference room for about an hour and hammered out our all-fantasy decade teams. So James and I, you know, kind of did our, our like quote unquote real all decade teams. Right. Uh, these are just fantasy, and there is a, a decent amount of overlap, as you'd expect. Um, and we kind of ran into the same issues that James and I did, specifically at center, because you know on our first team, Durant, LeBron, Curry, and Harden were no brainers. Really, no competition for for any of those spots. I, I guess we could have maybe made a case for Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul. You know, both of whom had multiple top five finishes. Um, but Chris Paul specifically, I, I did the write up on him and kind of looked into his fantasy profile. He had he had two number one overall seasons in the previous decade, right before we're starting oh, with okay. 2009, 2010. So the previous two seasons, he was number one overall. But of course, we can't really count that. Um, Westbrook, you know, had an incredible peak, um, but has you know been damaging in certain formats and uh, has fallen off considerably in the last couple of years but the center spot is kind of what i was getting around to the center spot is i think by far the most difficult and uh, you know after after kind of sussing it out you and i decided to lean more heavily in favor of guys who have played fewer games but have had much higher peaks than some of the other candidates who've been around for the entire decade right like with first team we went anthony davis and he i don't think played the first three years of the decade but basically from his sophomore year on i mean he I mean, he had, he had four top 12 seasons uh, across the seven years that, that he played this decade. Number one fantasy player in 2017-18, and he only played 75 games that year. Um, he was first-team All-NBA, first-team All-Defensive. Um, and even, I mean, I think, I think the main case, a, a case against him is basically what happened last year, where if you drafted Anthony Davis, even top 10, top five, wherever you drafted Anthony Davis... Um, his trade demand off of the Pelicans and basically him no showing the last, you know, uh, post All Star break essentially. Um, that's like, like a strong case against him. Mm-hmm. And I, but at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like it was enough to be like, no, he wasn't the number one guy of the decade. It was Marcus All right. or someone else. Yeah, so we should specify we're talking you know eight categories, so no turnovers, um, and we've been we've been more heavily weighing totals in terms yeah, of total when, we, when we reference a rank, it's in terms of total production as opposed to per game. You know, to to account for guys like Davis, who at the end of the day it is damaging to a fantasy team. Um, you know, when you draft a player, and like even though like Davis, I think maybe maybe one case for him is that if you do look at per game, he's gone since his sophomore year. He's finished second, first, fifth, second, first, second in per game value. But he's played 70 or fewer games in four of those seasons. So uh, I think it makes more sense to go with totals um, you know, just because you're accounting for those missed games, which do end up hurting you uh, in terms of fantasy value. So I was with you. I was initially a little bit uh, skeptical of Davis and the guy in our second team, um, just in favor of someone like Marcus Gasol, you know, who is consistently really good and had, had some pretty high peaks throughout the decade. But, I mean, Davis's case and, and his, his true peak is pretty unassailable. Yeah, and he's a guy um, where he also, and this doesn't really have to do with fantasy, but he kind of represented the new wave of like NBA centers, mm-hmm. where these guys you stretch the floor, they can handle the ball, um, they can take on playmaking roles. They're not just 
rebound guys. They're not just post players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you remember him for that. And, you know, I think, I think we, there is a hesitation or uh, people don't recognize him possibly as the best center of the decade because he, A, didn't miss plenty of time, but also B, I think had two seasons in the playoffs, mm-hmm. one of which he got, the Pelicans got dismantled by the Warriors. Um, and then a couple of years ago, he actually dominated the, the Trailblazers, but that gets like lost to history very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and part of this exercise too is throwing out the playoff stuff. You know, you could go 0 and 82, but if you're putting up 30 and 15, you're the best fantasy player. That's all we're really caring about here. And um, yeah, I, I'm all good with Davis on the first team. Not a whole lot to say about the rest. I mean, it's Harden especially has just been so ridiculous these last four or five years that. You know, he's probably, I think, the easiest inclusion of all. Uh, other than, I think, maybe, you know, now that it's been four or five years, you kind of forget that Durant had three consecutive number one overall seasons. Is that correct? Um, it was close to that, if not like three and four. Okay. I, I thought I read three in a row, but I could be wrong. Um, I should know I did the write up. Yeah, it was three in a row. Three in a row and four out of five. And he finished second the other year. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, Durant was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he kind of. Like, I dig a lot of comparisons to Michael Jordan, like, when looking at... Uh, Overrated. Over, <laughs> when uh, when looking at this stuff, just to kind of put context to it. And Jordan had, I think, seven number one seasons. Uh, and he had, like, five or six in a row. And they were bookended by, like, number two seasons. Like, very similar to what Durant did for, like, a five-year stretch. Um, and, you know... <laughs> Just based on this, you understand why Durant mm-hmm. feels like he is like disrespected and right. not in like the greatest of all time conversation. Because for I would love to see him like do an interview and be like, "Look at my fantasy stats." <laughs> we should. Oh, do you even play eight cat at him? Yeah, eight <laughs> cat total. Like, you serious? Um, but yeah, and especially since he, you know, oh nine ten the f- the first year of the decade that we're counting, he was the number one fantasy player. So mm-hmm. he gets off to a hot start and. Really, the only you know, quote unquote, bad year for him was when he broke his foot and played 27 games. Somehow, still ranked 157 despite playing 27 games. Um, and then his first year with the Warriors, he only ranked 12. But I think he was kind of deferring and not used to it and yeah. whatever. But you know, um, past two years with Golden State, top five, I mean, he's just just an insane fantasy player. Yeah, um, the first team, like I said, is is kind of a no brainer, and that did match up with our non fantasy. Um, you know, all decade team as well. So the second team gets a little bit more interesting. Um, but as I said to you yesterday, when we were going through and doing these, I found it harder to pick between the guys on the third team and the honorable mentions. I think it gets a little more blurry there. But the two guards on the second team, again, pretty unassailable, Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. I I was surprised how high Westbrook ranked in some of these seasons. Um, and not counting turnovers certainly helps him maybe more so than than any other player. But I mean, there are a lot of seasons, like even if you do count turnovers, he really only drops like four to five spots. Um, And he had a run where he finished fifth, fourth, sixth. He then had a year where uh, I think he hurt his knee and only played 46 games, was still a top 90 player, and then returned to being fifth, fourth, second, uh, seventh, and then 12th last season uh, in eight categories. So he peaked in the MVP year, of course, when he first averaged a triple-double, has kind of slightly declined since then, but... Um, I, I think his his decline as a real basketball player who helps you win games has maybe been even been more severe, I guess, than his fantasy decline because as of last year he was still a first round guy. 
Yeah, and he weirdly as his as his free throw percentage like got worse, he started making up for it by just rebounding the basketball more. Mm-hmm. Um and then that one season, his best season, um he inexplicably shot, he inexplicably hit 203 pointers. And took took a lot that year too. Yeah. Um and so that that helped him. Um but yeah, I mean he was just the I mean it's what we say about Westbrook, a guy who just racks up more like pure numbers than yep. than almost anybody across the decade. And, you know, that is um, the field goal percentage isn't always there. The free throw percentage isn't always there. He has turnover issues. But those things, you know, those those three factors don't weigh as heavily in fantasy as you think they might, right. considering how um, dominant he was just basically like 30, 10 and 10 yeah. for a stretch. Yeah, he will not be surprised to know that for the decade. So again, this is 2009-10 through last season, 2018-19. He's fifth in minutes, fourth in total points, first in assists, second in steals, third in made free throws, 17th in rebounds as a point guard. And he's the only member of the decade's 3,000 turnover club. <laughs> All right, let's look at Chris Paul. Um, again, like I said, a, a pretty easy choice here. And, and somebody that I think if we really wanted, you, you probably could have made a case for him on the first team it would just then be a matter of who do you kick off and i think that's maybe even the harder call right but chris ball uh was 48th last season that really impacts him and i think what ultimately makes this um a pretty clear decision i guess between him versus harden and curry is these last three years he's just missed so much time um like on a per game basis he was a top 10 player in each of the previous two seasons before last season so 2016 17 and 2017 18 um, but he just missed so many games. I mean, I think he missed 45 combined games that he was knocked out of the top 20 overall in each of those years. So he had a, a really good run, you know, in the middle of the decade, third, third, seventh, 11th, third, and ninth in six consecutive years. Um, but he started the decade getting hurt, played in 45 games in 2009, 10, finished 66th. And then those three straight, um, you know, sub 20 or sub, I don't know. He was outside the top 20. I don't know how to phrase that. Yeah. Uh, to end the decade is is kind of what, what relegates him to the second team. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the, the injury issues are basically what stops like a lot of these guys who ended up on the second or the third team or honorable mention from being higher. Um, it, and, you know, it's it's hard because we don't have like a ton of like ADP data for every site for the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that matter like over the past two years, if you were drafting Chris Paul, you knew that you were drafting him under the assumption that he was going to miss probably at least 10 games. Like I was never a person who would draft West or uh, Chris Paul before like pick 30 just because I figured, you know, I'm what am I really going to get out of him here? And we didn't, there's not a great way to factor that in. And I don't know if that matters a ton for this exercise, but yeah, Chris Paul, I mean, undoubtedly one of the best point guards ever. One of the best passers I've ever seen those. I mean, he arguably could have won an MVP over Kobe. Um, although I don't think that was this decade. I don't uh, think so. No. Um, but those lob city years were, were absolutely crazy. And Blake Griffin is someone, I don't know if we have him on the honorable mention list. Um, he's on the honorable mention okay he didn't didn't make the third team but he made honorable mention yeah the the trio of of chris paul blake griffin and deandre jorgen was not only like from a real life and fan it just an incredible stretch of years Mm -hmm. um for 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 everyone involved and insanely fun to watch speaking of deandre jordan most games played in the entire decade regular season deandre jordan 766 i would have never 
I would have never guessed that. I mean, now hearing it, I remember yeah. like those like the tweets or the articles being like you know, DeAndre Jorgen has not missed any games right you know across the stretch or whatever but that's that's a wild stat yeah he was he was tristan thompson before tristan thompson (laughs) so we have paul and westbrook as the second team guards the rest of the second team uh the forward spots paul george and Giannis antetokounmpo and then at center carl anthony town so again you can tell we definitely i think around the same page in terms of favoring elite elite production and Certainly Giannis and, and Towns, to an even greater degree, have brought that this decade. Uh, but at the same time, those guys have played 10 combined seasons. So, you know, I, I would not quibble if you wanted to throw someone like LaMarcus Aldridge or Paul Millsap, who are our third team forwards, guys who are very much the opposite players of Towns and Giannis, who, you know, never had the the peaks that those two guys have already had early in their careers, but were just consistently really good for basically the entire decade um but I'll, I'll let you talk about the the Giannis inclusion first yeah I mean I, I I agree that I think the case for like the Marcus Aldridge um especially over Giannis and flipping those two is like that makes sense I wouldn't blame anybody for doing it but I just feel like what Giannis has done over the past basically three years but you can maybe include 15 16 as well I think if you establish yourself as an MVP candidate or establish yourself as basically a lock for the Hall of Fame or the discussion for best player in the league, I think that really should weigh heavily, um, even for even for just fantasy. Um, you know, over the past four years, he or over the past three years, he hasn't ranked worse than fourth. And on a per game basis, he was number three last year. Um, he I mean, he he's sort of. I don't even know who he's, he's a little like in some ways like Westbrook where the overall numbers kind of make up for his deficiencies. Like Giannis isn't going to hit threes for you in an era where that is like the main, yeah. you know, a huge part of fantasy and the free throw percentage is, is pretty bad. But um, I think he just so quickly and so mm-hmm. uh, decidedly established himself as a top three fantasy yeah. pick every single year for the past like three years yeah. that, um, he, he just gets the nod here. Well, and so many of these guys are helped by looking at their per game rank. You know, guys who miss games fairly consistently, even someone like Steph, you know, he's he's had a lot of years where he's been a top 10 player despite missing a ton of time because he's been so dominant. But Giannis, in five of his six seasons uh, so far, he has been better in terms of total fantasy production than per game. So his durability in that regard, uh, I think, I think kind of counts as a skill more than anything else. Um, and he's been, you know, fourth, sixth, fourth the last three years. And I, I almost feel like, you know, we, we don't want to count anything that comes after that season. But the fact that you, you almost know, barring an injury, that it's going to continue, you know, makes that makes it a little easier to, you know, maybe kind of squeeze him in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Paul George, somebody I thought was a, a pretty rock solid case for the second team. He, I mean, his major blemish is the one year where he only played I think nine six games so that was after he broke his leg of course Um, but as I wrote in the article that that'll be up on the site I don't really count that as like a a bad season you know in the same way that someone who gets hurt mid-season and like if you drafted that guy he kills your fantasy team the rest of the way because this the injury happened on August 1st so nobody was doing their fantasy drafts that early so nobody took him so like he didn't really kill you that year and it drags down his his average rank for the decade i think was like 77th 
uh, 77.6. But if you take that season out and just give him a zero for that year, it jumps all the way up to 28. And that's that's including a rookie year where he was basically a role player who averaged like 20 minutes a game and seven points per game uh, and ranked 192nd that year. So with the exception of a, a lost season and you know he's one of those guys who his prime lined up nicely with the decade he came in in 2010 um but for someone like say LaMarcus Aldridge who came in a few years earlier he he kind of got his bad early years out and when the decade started you know he didn't have he didn't have any of those years Giannis is another guy like that where you know his rookie year he barely did anything so we we have to count that but um I mean Paul George when healthy and when not a rookie went 27th 8th 7th 8th 14th 11th and then second last year and i think that second place finish last year was what really clinched it for me yeah he um definitely a candidate for most underrated player of the decade uh in in real life and probably in fantasy yeah like you alluded to i mean his we kind of forget like how great he was very quickly in his career with indiana i mean he was 22 years old had the eighth best fantasy season um in in 12 13 and really came back from that injury with like he he played the six games and then the next year basically came back great like yeah, ranked better. eighth played 81 games yeah um was just as good and then last year you know he benefited a lot from from just you know playing an absurd amount of minutes um and he was he was could have been number one uh but he got a shoulder injury i think it was yeah. towards the end of the year kind of hurt his shooting percentages but I mean, he was he was ridiculous uh, alongside Westbrook. He like legitimately established himself as the number as the number one player on Oklahoma City. Like it was very yeah, clear he was no better question. than Westbrook. And when you when Paul George is doing that, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, was a, I mean the he had 171 steals. He had 292 threes. Um, it's just like the ultimate. He's like the I I, I mean he's three and D. But like the best version of that possible mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and the case for towns is very similar to the one for Giannis that we laid out i mean the, the stats are similar to i mean he has another year um of, of like kind of real production because he was so good as a rookie um but it, it does kind of even out you know you can kind of throw out Giannis's first two seasons towns has four full seasons in the decade um so i i did feel i guess that if we were going to include Giannis for essentially four four and a half seasons it was totally fine to include towns so third team the guards damian lillard and kemba walker the forwards paul Millsap and lamarcus aldridge and the center marcus all yeah paul Millsap was one that i think we added late like we were trying to figure out the forward spot and we settled on Millsap kind of as like a last we were kind of going through names and i I think i just tossed out like what about Millsap though and then when you look at his you look at his fantasy production um across like the decade you're you're like where like i feel like i didn't remember this happening but it did Mm -hmm. um especially like his stretch from 10 11 through 15 16 he went 27 6 40 21 15 and 7 um was extremely healthy um the entire time was a great rebounder, was great on defense, um, didn't shoot threes until like later on in his career. Um, but yeah, surprisingly a staple of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean for him it was it was a little bit difficult because he does have a pretty 
poor finish to the decade and that's just based on how his age lined up you know i mean he came in in 06 07 so at the start of the decade he was you know going into his age 24 season and he finished up last year at age 33 uh it was 92nd last year which isn't terrible but the year before you know only played 38 games and finished 226 so that was one where he was you know kind of one of the biggest busts even though it was for injury reasons yeah um really in all of fantasy last year so we do have to hold that against him but i think the fact that he logged two top 10 seasons and they were five years apart which is also pretty impressive um with two different teams uh to me that was enough to give him the edge and again pretty similar case for someone like lamarcus aldridge who never never got as high uh, in the rankings as paul Millsap did his his peak finish throughout all these years was 14th but he also never dropped lower than 61 throughout the entire decade and even that's a pretty big outlier i mean he was essentially in the 14 to like 40 range for like eight of the 10 years he didn't make the like initial list of players because he never had a top 12 finish he never had a first round finish and then we had to go back and you know we we were looking making sure we didn't miss anybody and lamarcus aldridge was basically like the biggest name that we had missed um and yeah that 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 rank 61 season that was the second year in san antonio that may have been the year that he was just like weirdly unhappy there yeah maybe not weirdly um but yeah i mean he was you you kind of forget about him like how the kind of discussion around him when he was in portland because of the way that he's you know kind of um like just how we think of him now in san antonio uh is not we kind of i think he got hurt by the way the decade has gone in terms of like floor spacing big men yeah and his defense has kind of fallen off and he's not shooting threes the way that a lot of people wish he would um but he was i mean he was really fantastic for Mm -hmm. you know he for basically the entire decade and still is still a really good fantasy player yep the guards uh lillard and kemba um i I think lillard is a guy who you know i would have liked to almost put on the second team but he just just doesn't quite measure up to the peaks of of westbrook and paul and and you know he's a guy he's been in the league for a while but wasn't in the league the entire decade he came in in 2012 13 so he missed out on a couple of years there to build his case but he has been a top 20 player all seven years that he's been in the league including his rookie year which is super impressive um and he's someone too seventh in made threes this decade 16th in assists 11th in points uh, and he has the fourth best free throw percentage of the decade behind only curry reddick and nowitzki uh, among qualified guys and with with those total stats you know threes assists and points he is by far the highest player from his draft class or later like everybody else has at least another year in the league yeah he is one of only eight players in the decade to amass 12,000 points and 3,000 assists so only one of eight players in the past 10 years to do that and he his rookie year wasn't until 2012-13 yeah so i mean he is he's been consistently great he has been consistently healthy and not necessarily important for for fantasy but he's been constantly Mm -hmm. in the playoffs and he is he has to make the third team because he has already established himself as a hall of famer i think I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know how he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, barring like you know, an insane injury or yeah. something like that. So I, that that definitely weighed in on making sure he was included. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that if you say, okay, let's take the baseball equivalent of Damian Lillard, it gets pretty dicey, or even the football equivalent of Damian Lillard. But we're we're talking about the basketball Hall of Fame, so he he probably could have retired right. four years ago and been a lock. Now Curry or Curry Lillard is 
uh, I think for sure a, a Hall of Famer and certainly has many more years to go. Kemba Walker, uh, I mean, kind of a boring case in my opinion. Yeah, a guy who has returned first found value once in his career, and that was last season. But with the exception of a, a kind of weird 2014-15 season when he shot 30% from three, it was at 38% from the field. Uh, he, put, he played 62 games that year, you know, got hurt. Uh, and that was, that was certainly part of the issue as well. But even per game, he was 53rd uh, that year, or 60th, excuse me, that year. So uh, I think that was kind of the big blemish for me that, that solidified him as for sure a third-team guy and definitely the sixth best of all the guards. Yeah, he has a very similar statistical profile as Lillard, mm-hmm. but he was kind of he just was not just, as good, just not as good, and on horrible teams, so he never got a ton of recognition for it. Um, and now you're seeing him on the Celtics, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, Kemba Walker's amazing!" And part of that's due to what we saw with uh, Kyrie Irving last year and the chemistry boost from Kemba. But I mean, he has been he exceeded a lot of expectations coming into the league. I know oh, some yeah. people like really did not like the draft pick, but second year in the league, he was the 16th best fantasy player. Like he very quickly established himself as after uh, a really 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 bad rookie year. Yes. Like he was terrible as a rookie on on like one of the worst teams of all time. He shot 36% from the field. He's one of those guys um and they're, they're not similar players, but he's like one of the the beacons for why you don't give up on like rj barrett after one year <laughs> just had to get that in there um okay so let's go quickly through just some of the other guys that we considered uh, I, I made a little bit of a list you can you can add anybody i think kyrie irving and clay thompson we both considered kyrie yeah. you know kyrie's missed a lot of games that that was an issue for him and and for one of those seasons he he ended up finishing uh 107th because he missed so many games and he just wasn't even that good you know per game he was barely inside the top 50 um but other than that i mean he has a 10th place finish a, a couple other top 20 finishes he's he's kind of been right on the cusp this entire time but um you know we, we had to narrow down i think to kemba Kyrie, and clay for that final spot and um once, once we kind of crunched the numbers i think it was fairly obvious that it was kemba kemba versus Kyrie was really hard for me but then i kind of thought about you know where i would draft them both or like my my mentality of mm-hmm. you know i i was just Every every draft that I have done over the past few years, I'm someone who would let Kyrie Irving fall to me uh, because of his injury concerns. And um, that, for me, was the ultimate factor in, in putting Kemba over him because Kemba has basically just doesn't get hurt. Um, yep. Plays all the time. He's been really consistent. So um, had had that not been the case for Kyrie, I think, you know, I think he's a he Kyrie is a very, very true honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, deserving. I mean, and a guy who only played part of the decade, so that that kind of helps too. Clay it did finish ninth overall in 2014-15. Um, just a kind of an insane year for him when he shot 46% from the field, 44% from three. Um, you know, that was at the time he had set a career high for made threes with 239, and then he went on to shatter that, of course, next year when they won 73. Um, but he was somebody, you know, we, we had to call in for reinforcements and brought Shannon in for, for his opinion on these guys. And right away, he kind of scoffed at the notion of Clay, you know, not in real life, but in fantasy, just because he is so much of a specialist in some ways. You know, I mean, a, a lot of his value in real life, you know, what he does defensively, he's, not, he's never been a huge steals guy that doesn't show up for fantasy. Um, and he's, he's kind of a, you know, points, threes, free throw percentage type of player. Whereas, you know, at least, you know, Kemba and Kyrie are adding the assists and, and whatnot. He's one of the guys on this, on this list who I think is real life value. Um, 
way more significant than his fantasy value. Yeah. Clay Thompson and like Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. especially. Um, and yeah, he was just not getting you. I mean, Thompson was, you know, uh, the way we had to do this, we kind of had to do like roto leagues because there's no way, not not an easy way to be like, these were the best head to head players of the decade. If you mm-hmm. built a team based on points, threes and free yeah. throw percentage. Um, but he was he was great for that. But for roto leagues, obviously good, but not the kind of all around production that you would necessarily want from a guy you would put on yeah. like an all decade team. Right. And you mentioned Kawhi. We, we did not include him. He it had some some high peaks he was eighth in 2016-17 but you know two years ago he was a guy that people were drafting in the top 10 and he played nine games and that was that was something you know not a Paul George situation you know where we there was some kind of trepidation as to what was going on but um, it was enough of a, a burden I think for people who drafted him to to kind of hold it against him and he was 22nd overall last season great on a per game basis but missed just missed too much time and the other thing with him is he he really didn't become even a top two round guy until 2014-15 so halfway through the decade you know he played three years previous to that but at that point um you know was still very much a role player for the spurs yeah and i mean last year gets factored in in terms of everyone wasn't sure where to draft him because yep. it, you know every everyone assumed he was going to get load managed or what if he just gets hurt again or every like everything like that and that that really matters when when considering these things and um he's a guy who i would have i would have liked to put him on the third you know uh all decade team but i just the case for paul george was like yeah. way stronger in a way that i was not expecting it mm-hmm. um yeah Kawhi kind of gets hurt by the injury thing here Monte Ellis did not expect to see him on this list, but he was a top 40 player for seven consecutive seasons from 2009-10 all the way up to 2015-16. Had a top 10 finish in 2010-11. That was his final year with the Warriors. He was seventh overall that year. Uh, A player who, if you add turnovers, (laughs) drops by like 20 plus ranks in almost every season, which which is, you know, exactly what you would expect. But we're not counting turnovers, so he's somebody who who certainly belongs in this category. Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, both players who were very consistent. You know, never had the highest peaks, but guys who have you know you've probably not really regretted drafting too much over the last decade. Dwayne Wade, uh, very high peaks early in the decade, but the way that he fell off, um, he's kind of a victim of somebody who came into the league midway through the previous decade you know he started yeah. becoming he was a star in 0405 like the first year he was a star so he i mean he starts the decade at like age 28 mm-hmm. and i mean in, in 0809 the first year that we're not considering he finished finishes third he's fourth in 2009 10 and then he's eighth and then from he's there it's a, a pretty steep drop off you know again. 25th 17th uh, and then especially the, the last you know six years of the decade 89th 67th 60th 93rd 169th and 127th so i think just his very dramatic fall off after um you know after the heat's kind of title year in 2013 was was enough to knock him from the third team he definitely plateaued from like 14 15 to 16 17 on you know per game um but yeah i mean basically from the lockout year on he just was not healthy Mm -hmm. and that you know like you said the the combination of his body not holding up and the weird i think i mean if we did if we did all decade from you know the the like to the 2000s yeah or whatever then he would like oh, he would sure. definitely be in there yeah and i mean i'd said with james on tuesday too that if we if we were making all decade teams for different parameters it would be dramatically different if you were doing 
2007 to 2016, you you would have a, you know, there's so many different players who, you know, who kind of fell off around those times. Uh, A really interesting one is John Wall, who it's, it's been so long that since he's been healthy that I just haven't even really thought about him in forever. But had he not had the injuries that he did, I think he would have been an easy lock for the third team alongside Lillard. I mean, he starting in 2013, 14 was eighth, seventh, 13th, seventh, and then the injuries started. Uh, and he also had a 13th overall finish in 2011-12. So he, I mean, he his highs were significantly higher than Kemba's. But, I mean, the fact that he basically missed all of last season, missed half of the season before, um, and then had another year where he missed 32 games, I, I think was kind of enough to rule him out. Yeah, just really like an elite passer and uh, like defender as far as getting steals goes mm-hmm. and like since he's been basically absent for the past two years we don't remember him that right. way but also a dunk contest champion that was the one where they did like the teams right <laughs> yes. and the timer yeah he was he on like DeRozan's I team don't, I don't know what he was on uh that was that was mm-hmm. something other names I have uh Kevin Love had a top five season two top five seasons I should say one in 2011-12 one in 2013-14 but you know, as we know, somebody who dropped off a ton and then, you know, basically gave you a zero last year when he played 22 games. Never do knuckle pushups. No, ever, ever, ever. I, I, after I heard that, I stopped doing those forever. Not I've never even done them once. You oh, did them? Now you know. Uh, yeah, I did. And then probably like a year after that, Kevin Love breaks hand knuckle pushups. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, um, that. another kind of strange name that you maybe wouldn't think of, Pau Gasol. Yeah. So he's yeah. he's 31st in the first year of the decade and then jumps up to ninth overall each of the next two years. So one of those years was the Lakers. Um, you know, I think the Steve Nash, this is going to be fun year. And so Powell still kind of persevered and was, you know, was a top 10 player for 2010, 11 and 11, 12. Um, fell off pretty hard for a couple of years. His final two years in L.A., he was hurt um, and really wasn't all that relevant. But then he's an all-star again two years later in Chicago in 2014-15. He's a first-round value that year. He was 11th overall, 22nd the following year. So, I mean, somebody who, if he if he could have extended his kind of post-prime for maybe one more year, and, you know, last year he played in 30 games and was basically retired. So, you know, that was a pretty big black mark against him. But if he had had one, one more useful season, I think there would have been a case for him over Marcus Gasol. If we were doing all two decade teams, sure, he would be in there. Um, one of the few qualifiers, yeah, yeah. Oh, one to eighteen, nineteen. He was no. I mean, his per game production is a, is especially like that's the case for him. If if you had to make one, um, like a ton of top, like a ton of top twenty finishes, um, and someone who like you know, in we're we're doing a roundtable article for all decade with someone that like I vividly remember from the first finals of the decade i think it was with the lakers and and celtics um but yeah that that random like 11th finish with chicago um just out of nowhere Mm -hmm. it's fantastic dwight howard somebody we have to mention but free throw percentage was just so damaging that even even when he was a top three player in the league and undoubtedly the best big man in the league he never had a top 10 season um he was just shooting so many free throws and missing so many free throws and I mean, for someone who, I guess, with the exception of this year, hasn't been all that relevant in the last like five seasons, he is still fourth in the decade in free throw attempts. Wow. Yeah. He is second in rebounds behind only DeAndre Jordan. 
He is third in blocks behind Ibaka and DeAndre. Um, so, I mean, it's been a weird, rough ride for Dwight, you know, kind of since basically since he arrived in L.A. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so since he left Orlando, it's been basically a disaster. But he has found ways to still be, you know, d- depending on how much you, you value the longevity, um, you know, probably still a top five or six big man or at least a true center in, in the decade. Yeah, I think so. I was I was prepared to like have him on a third team like right when we decided to do this project. And then I looked into the numbers and realized that, you know, his his best years were like right yeah, like right before and right at the start of of the decade and he fell off so quickly because of the back injuries and and everything like that. Blake was another name we yeah. considered. Uh his peaks were never as high as I thought they would be, you know, given that he became a really good passer there for a while and you know was was so efficient. I, I kind of thought he would have been higher, but 14th was his best season, and the amount of time that he missed due to injuries, you know, really, really ended up hurting him. He has a, a few, um, you know, seasons where he's ranked outside the top 70. And one that was essentially completely lost to injury in 2015. Uh, so he he just misses the cut for for injury reasons. Yeah, one of my favorite players, like coming into the league, um, and yeah, I was a, I was a little surprised his best fantasy finish was 14, but. And also, he's he's one of the strangest like fantasy players and and to some extent real life players and how much he's changed his game over the course. It was like a three year, three or four year transformation where he basically went from pick and roll dunker, uh, tra- pretty good in transition, post up guy to like point forward. Yeah, over the course of a few years, and um, it's it, it ends up it ends up balancing out to almost identical like fantasy value, which is the 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 weird part Mm -hmm. um but a guy if you had had him on like a a keeper league for you know the whole decade um it would have like the the stats he was providing would have Mm -hmm. varied so much all right we'll wrap this up uh alex this was fun thanks for putting in the work to to do all the research for this and uh be sure to read all of our all decade content on the site not only for nba but uh, for all the other sports that are kind of in on this theme this week This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.